Welcome, everyone, to the In-House Roundhouse, where in-house lawyers, outside counsel, and industry experts gather around to discuss current issues and best practices. I'm your host, Mark Enriquez, a commercial litigator with Womble Bond Dickinson. With me, as always, is my producer, Brian Ewing. We're joined today by Hannah Randolph-Haynes. Hannah is a corporate counsel and compliance manager for Jerns Healthcare Incorporated here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hannah, thanks so much for taking some time to sit down with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great. We're going to be talking about developing and managing an effective compliance program. Um, before we started recording, Hannah, we were talking a little bit about Jerns and the kind of work they do. Why don't yeah. you share with our listeners a little bit about about Jerns? Yeah. So uh, Jerns Healthcare is a durable medical equipment company. They've been around for about 130 years. So things that you see in a hospital or a nursing home, the beds, the lifts, um, those are items that we manufacture and distribute. We're located in all 48 states. You know, we have warehouses throughout the the United States that deliver our products to our patients. And then, of course, we're headquartered here in Charlotte. Great. And you've got manufacturing facilities as well, I understand. Yep, yep. We manufacture (laughs) down in Mexico for the most part. Mm -hmm. And um, then we also have offices in Canada, the UK and the Netherlands and Belgium as well. Gotcha. So so a multinational company (laughs) that's doing manufacturing and dealing with healthcare. Yes. So, um, which may be why they're occasionally compliance. Yeah, (laughs) you know, they come up every once in a while. (laughs) With all those different different roles. And we're going to be talking about compliance. Tell us a little bit about your role, kind of how you came to it and your background. Yeah, yeah. So I came to Jordan's Healthcare right out of law school. Um, You know, started out as a temp while I was waiting to pass the bar um, and then was fortunate enough to be hired on. At the time, we were really combining a compliance program from three different companies, two that we had acquired. And so what we really were doing was rebuilding and revamping a compliance program. Our general counsel at the time uh, saw that I really liked compliance, saw that it could possibly be a passion for me, and really let me kind of take on that role of developing it and really helping it along. And so that's kind of, I, I've been drinking from the proverbial fountain ever since, <laughs> um, but I absolutely love it. And I feel like I've learned a ton just in the last five years I've been doing it. No, I think that's great. And obviously you've got compliance covers a broad waterfront yeah. with different types of compliance. Um, can you can you just tell us a little bit about some of the areas of compliance uh, that you deal with? And then we'll start talking about maybe how to how to develop a confective program. But I, the reason I ask is I know for some new lawyers coming in mm-hmm. that may have compliance responsibility, there's almost a Okay, how do I even figure out what I have to comply with? You yeah, know, what are those? Yeah. What are those rules? So share yeah. that with us. So when I really started looking at it, you know, of course, Jordan's healthcare. I immediately thought of healthcare. You know, what that's going to look like. You know, and so of course HIPAA is one of our Mm -hmm. really big ones. Um, And so we really started looking into HIPAA and, you know, the privacy and security aspects of that. Um, But then as I started to learn the business, I realized compliance is is something that touches so many different departments or, you know, different types of organizations. So for us, um, because we have locations in all 48 states, because we're delivering products, we have a fleet. And Mm -hmm. so that really, you know, DOT compliance became a really big thing that we had to start looking at. Um, You know, even... With us also being healthcare, you've got FDA, so you've got all of their different compliance, you've got their different regulations. And so, you know, I think a lot of a lot of the things that we found and that we have been able to develop have come from healthcare or have come from the DOT. But even just looking at compliance and how that touches every organization, we've been able to learn and develop, you know, a lot of things that, you know, whether it was meant for healthcare or not, it's something that can really affect our our, our program. Gotcha. 
So, and when you say DOT, that's things like if you've got truckers, how how many hours they can work and all the safety regulations Mm -hmm. around a truck and, you know, all the logging requirements, all all that other stuff, just as an example of something that would be DOT. Yeah. And we actually, we don't even have 18 wheelers. And so mm. we have just different van sizes and even learning the exceptions that you can uh. use, you know, and how, you know, recently a lot of uh, DOT compliance, you have to do electronic logs. So learning to go from paper to electronic, mm. you know, that was that was quite the <laughs> quite the headache. And even, you know, on the HR side, learning all the things that you have to have in a driver qualified file, um, you know, what all you have to have on each individual driver at all times. So. There's always things that we are learning and, you know, learning the exceptions, learning the new rules. And it, you know, whether it's HIPAA or whether it's um, the DOT, they they literally change every year. So, yeah. Right. And then I guess because you're manufacturing stuff that are health products, you've got to deal with those FDA requirements or other stuff related to the safety of the beds and the lifts and those kind of things. Yep. Yep. And even just reporting if there is, you know, any supposed incident or anything like that, you know, learning how you deal with those, um, you know, making sure, you know, I don't think we've ever really had any recalls or anything, but just learning, you know, even being a distributor, we distribute our own products, but then sometimes you're, you're working with partners to distribute their products. And so learning how you keep them compliant even as your third-party vendor. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, and we're going to dig into kind of how you actually make a compliance program effective because I think that's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Um, I guess the other preliminary question I have is given all these areas, how do you monitor or figure out what those rules are? I assume it's kind of a two-part thing where you figure out what the rules are and then you figure out how to get compliance. In other words, teach your people, hey, these are the rules. You've got to use this digital logging or you've got to comply with this protocol. So, but how do you, let's talk about that monitoring piece. Mm -hmm. Do you do that? Is that assigned to somebody else? How, How do you figure out kind of what what change what the the latest DOT regs are for yeah example. yeah so you know we've talked about this previously you know we're a very lean legal and compliance department and so you know I do as much as I can um, but then we have a lot of really great third-party vendors who are our partners um, you know we work with different law firms we work with a specific DOT vendor who mm-hmm. really help us keep up to date on some of those also you know going to different symposiums different types of trainings you know of course always always help you keep up with those but then one thing that we really did and I'm sure a lot of organizations have done it too we when we started creating our compliance department we um, created created a board level, an executive leadership team level, and then a working group level mm. committee. And we meet every other month with those different committees and with the board, we meet quarterly. And so especially with the working group, because that's made up of the working managers who really have that day-to-day interaction with these different types of issues, you know, we have really kind of given them a lot of responsibility, too, with helping us, you know, keep up with stuff. So for DOT, we have an amazing director of fleet and we've got a safety manager who really help us keep up with those. Um, And they bring them to the committee as a whole. They bring them to me. And then we help develop, you know, procedures for how to deal with those. So, you know, it's, it's not something that just one person can do. Yeah. And so we've really tried to work with both outside and inside people so that we can be the best that we can be at that. That's great. No, that, yeah. that's helpful to, to think about the, you know, the, not a single point. It's, yeah. It, you're, you're getting that input. Yeah. yeah for, for you, how, what does an effective compliance program look like? So I think an effective compliance program really is having a culture at your company. Um, An effective compliance program, you know, one of the big things I see is, especially companies that get in trouble, they might have the perfect plan. 
It's all papered. It's ready whenever an auditor walks in. It looks great. But if you don't have that culture that's running throughout your organization where everyone buys into it, everyone really knows what's going on in compliance, then you're really going to fail. And so for me, that effective compliance program is, yes, having everything papered, having all of the, the, <laughs> the new regulations met as much as I can. But it's also having this program that's living and breathing and is walking out there with my guys every time they walk out the door, um, you know, just making sure that it's always on their mind and that, you know, just like uh, wearing the purple shirt that says Jorns helps us be known in the industry. I also want them to know that compliance is a huge thing. And I want everyone to know that Jorns is a very compliant program and a compliant company. So, Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, no, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. I do think, I, mean, I know in other areas, it's something where you can have a pretty policy yeah. where a lawyer can draft this beautiful policy. But if no one understands it and lives it, yeah. right, right, it's only worth the paper it's written on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Again, for people that may be starting out in compliance, how do you, what kind of things do you do or would you give tips to give other people to do to help build that culture, build that, that compliance mindset? Yeah. So, you know, one of the big things we did was, like I said, we started the three different committees, Mm -hmm. um, especially with that working group, because those are individual managers, individual employees who are dealing with this kind of stuff day to day. um, We really wanted to empower them. So, you know, on those every other, you know, week meetings, we try and give them updates of what's going on in the industry, what's going on with competitors, what's going on with our customers, um, so that they can really understand what is happening in whatever industry it is, whether it's uh, healthcare or whether it's fleet, you know, whatever it is, we want them to have those tools. And then allowing them to also go out and to teach their direct reports Mm -hmm. and to really get that extra buy-in. And then, you know, we also do things. We have a newsletter that goes out quarterly um, where we really bring home compliance topics and to make sure that we're getting great (laughs) readership and that people are learning you know we put questions throughout it and we give out prizes for those that answer it um, so that that way you know sometimes it's you know what policy did we roll out last month and what did that really you know what are the you know what happens if you break it what are the penalties and so you know having them you know write back in and tell me that yes you know they're (laughs) going to be getting a gift card or they're going to be getting something fun but you know that makes them take that extra step of really reading it and so you know even sending out little nuggets and little blasts and everything um, to help them remember. I've actually gotten people copying me in saying, hey, look at what my manager sent out. And it's where they've sent out, you know, so-and-so just happened in the in the healthcare industry and they got penalized like this. Let's make sure that we don't ever do anything like this. Mm-hmm. And so getting them to start helping even, you know, teach their direct reports, that's you can't put a price yeah, on that. I mean, having people buy in like that, and that is really where you start to build that culture because everyone knows that it's important. Everyone is holding their direct reports re- accountable. And so that, I mean, I think that's how you really start to build it. Yeah. That's great. I hadn't heard the idea of some kind of uh, quiz with a gift, you know, yep. with, with a reward <laughs> before. I think that makes yeah. a lot of sense. You're, yeah. you're right. People tend to pay more attention. If they do. An opportunity <laughs> to win something. They do. Um, with that, how are those gifts funded? In other words, is that do you have like a compliance budget or a legal mm-hmm. budget, or do they come out of departments? I know yep. I'm sure some people will be saying, "Oh, I like that yeah. idea," but I don't know. <laughs> I don't have money sitting around for gift cards. So. Yeah, they come out of our compliance budget. Um, you know, like I said, we do our newsletter quarterly, so mm-hmm. really, it's I pick two winners, so it's eight winners a year. Okay. So you know, you're talking about maybe four hundred dollars. You know, it's not yeah, not, not a, a huge sum. thing, but it still is. You know, it's it's something that you know it's it's fun for them to get their gift card in the mail to know yeah. that. 
hey, I answered this question correctly. And, you know, we really try and during compliance and ethics week, you know, that's something that's across the board, um, Mm. you know, nationally. So during that week, we try and do something fun, you know, whether it's sending out candy or whether it's sending out, you know, some sort of little trinket, a pin or something, you know, just to help, you know, say, hey, we care. We want you to know. We want it to be on your mind. And so, you know, even sending something like that out can really help people buy into the program. No, that's great. I think that's a good idea. Um, Is it same gift cards all the time or do you rotate around? I definitely rotate Rotate? it. I rotate it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I try and, you know, sometimes they're target. Sometimes it's to a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, I try and mix it up a little bit. Um, You know, and we keep we keep track of who's winning and we do it randomized, you know, so it's not. The first time we tried to do the first two people, that does not work in a company where you're across the board (laughs) because the first two people, well, if I send it out in Eastern time zone, someone who maybe is in California, they're not going to, you know, maybe be awake at the time I send it out. Uh, So we started giving people about a week to get their responses mm -hmm. in. And then I randomly put their names in a hat and pull out two names. So Gotcha. So all the people that answer correctly. Yeah. Get the response and you pull it yeah. out. That's a yeah. great idea. Yeah. No, oh, thank you. I mean, I again, I hadn't heard that. I haven't heard of that yeah. program before. So uh, <laughs> that's something I think our clients can put into, and the listeners can put into effect. Yeah. You know, immediately. Yeah. It's simple and easy. Um, no, that's a good tip. <laughs> the other tip that I really liked. You talked about manager sharing things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had talked about this in a prior meeting. Yeah. Is actually focusing on kind of what competitors are doing, yeah. and particularly where competitors get in problem because yeah. people always care about you know competitors. Like if yeah. you tell me, oh, well, this other law firm you know did this yeah. my ears perk up oh well yeah. you know maybe i can learn good or bad from what they're doing yeah. tell, tell our listeners a little more about how you do that and how you make use of what's happening you know with competitors in yeah space. and so one of the big things i do is literally every year i go to our different um, executive leadership team and i say you know give me our top 10 competitors give me our top 20 suppliers our top 20 customers and so what I do throughout the year is is I try and keep uh, of course I've got all kinds of alerts that go off you know if anybody like that it comes into the news but then I do a lot of google searches I check the CIAs that are coming out on the office of inspector general and really just kind of dig in to find out you know and and sometimes I'll recognize a name that's not even in the top 10 or 20 and what we'll do is is then we will present those um, based on you know what they're being investigated for what was found what kind of fee they had to pay, you know, what exactly it was that they violated. We'll put that in our presentation to our different committees. And then, you know, we tell them, hey, go share this with your teams. You know, if it's something where this competitor got in trouble for anti-kickbacks and, you know, it's a simple, you know, it seems like it's a rebate to us, but, you know, they found that it actually is an anti-kickback. You know, we need to make sure that this is not something we Mm do. Um, And so then we put it in those presentations they can go out and share it. If it's a really big one, we'll also put it in our newsletter, you know, just because that's another another forum for them to read it. And we just really try and make sure that we get those blasts out as much as possible so that people can, you know, hopefully learn from those different mistakes. Um, as far as customers or suppliers go, you know, even looking at those, I mean, if you're getting ready to sign a really big contract with a new customer, you need to make sure that that customer is as committed to compliance as you are. And if they've just gotten a $100 million fine for something that they did, you want to make sure that when you enter into that business relationship that you make sure that there's a new commitment there from them, that Mm -hmm. they are going to be as compliant as you are, that their program is going to be checked like yours is. Um, And so to me, that's a huge thing. And thankfully, we have a great executive leadership team who values compliance. And when we have those big meetings, they make sure that compliance is a part of that because they want to make sure that we don't get into hot water like like anyone else. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 
you use the term CIA. We may have some lawyers that don't do much compliance that don't know what term. Yep. What, what's the CIA? That's something that comes from the Office of, right. of Inspector. Right. Just tell, tell our listeners yep. what it is. So if, if a company is investigated by the Office of Inspector General, whether it be for an anti-kickback or um, you know, some sort of fraud, one of the things that they often will do in addition to you paying a fine is that a lot of times they'll have like a five-year plan. Uh, sometimes they're three years, but where a actual office of inspector general person is kind of set in your office mm. and they are constantly getting check-ins with you to make sure that you haven't just said, okay, I'm going to pay this fine and sure, we're going to change our compliance program. They're going to actually be looking for those ways that you're improving. They're going to be making sure that you're making those improvements. And so it, yeah, it's just a plan that they put okay. into place there. Gotcha. But those are public. You can, yes. you can get those yes. as a matter of public if the inspector office of inspector general issues one yes. of those you can see that yes. so you're checking to see yep. oh what are, you know what are they issuing and in particular yep. what else for maybe a competitor or somebody doing something yep. like that? you can literally go on their website and yeah. search out stuff okay. like that yep. gotcha right um, no, I think that makes sense. And obviously it brings it home if they see a competitor or somebody else doing the same thing um, yeah. that gets in trouble. That that makes it a lot more yeah. real. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested in your thoughts about discipline contrasted with incentives. Like you, you gave some examples like with the rewards of trying to get people mm-hmm. um, to, to know what the rules are or comply. Right. Um, I assume you also sometimes have to take discipline against people that violate those rules. That's the, seems to me, the perennial carrot stick battle. Um, yeah. you know, do you have thoughts about which is better or do you try to use both? How, how does someone new to compliance kind of balance the, the carrot and stick? Yeah. So I think I think it can be very hard. You know, you, you want to incentivize that good behavior. You know, you want to try and be proactive and, you know, incentivize up front before issues happen. But then when those issues happen, you know, you have to be careful how you communicate that as well. You want to discipline for the bad behavior. Um, you know, of course, it's going to depend on, you know, was it intentional or was it an accident or anything like that? And then, you know, I think when you do have to go to those discipline, I think you have to do a lot of follow up. So, you know, if you've got an issue with someone maybe making a disclosure of someone's, you know, information okay. or anything yeah. like that, um, you know, of course, you're going to you're going to need to find out if it was intentional or not. You know, you'll do the proper discipline that you have set up. But then I think it's important to follow up with the organization because you don't want that to just happen in kind of a vacuum and no one hear about it and no one learn from it. Mm. And so one thing that I always try and do is is if we find an issue, you know, whether it, it was something big or something small, I always try and follow up with some sort of training to the department as a whole where it happened. And, you know, whether that's in person or whether it's it's digital. And, you know, when you send out that email saying, hey, you know, you're going to be given this new training, you know, we're really wanting to make sure that any issues like this never happen again. You don't have to call out the person. You don't have to beat them over the head that they made a mistake or anything mm-hmm. like that. But making sure that a department and the company as a whole can grow from that, you know, I think that that takes it and allows you to discipline the person, but it also allows you to incentivize people to never do it again. Yes, it's not a free gift card, but it's, <laughs> it's hey, let me give you some free training. Mm-hmm. Let me teach you so that this doesn't happen again um, so that you can continue to get paid so that you can continue to you know work for us. You know, we don't we don't ever want to lose someone because they just didn't understand or because we didn't take the opportunity to let them learn from someone else's mistake. 
Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you do. I mean, you you want to talk about the incident, maybe not naming the employee, right. but if there's been a problem, someone's made a disclosure, there's been some mm-hmm. other issue, turn it into a training learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's important because I think there's always this tension about, well, am I airing laundry, or maybe I'll sweep. You know, we've dealt with that. Let's move on. Right. Right. Um, but I th- I hear you saying this is the fact that it happened. Let's do training. Make sure it doesn't yeah. happen again. You know, yeah. and, and you make it turn it into a a teachable moment. Yeah. Kind of as yeah. if we, you know, like we would do with kids. Or, exactly. Or whatever, right? Exactly. Into something we can, <laughs> we can do. Exactly. Um, no, I, I think that's, I think that's a helpful, that's a helpful balance. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, no compliance program's perfect. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes things fall apart or there's issues. Do you have any tips or suggestions when there's been a problem or maybe something you've seen is a problem? And I'm not looking for a specific compliance right. area because I think that, that would take us. Yeah. That would be a lot more in this podcast <laughs> to go through every type of, oh, don't let this happen in HIPAA. Yeah. But I yeah. guess general approach to avoiding pitfalls or dealing with, with them when they come up, when there is those issues. Yeah. So, I mean, I think anytime um, you've seen issues come up where someone's fallen apart. You know, I think a lot of it is just people becoming complacent. And I think part of that culture that we were talking about earlier, creating that culture of compliance is is not letting people get complacent or not letting people get too comfortable with the program that you have. And so I think keeping that program alive, keeping it on people's minds, that helps it not fall apart. That helps keep it alive. Um, because, you know, a lot of times when you see in the industry, you see someone's who gets fined, either they don't have a program at all, which of course is a big issue in and of itself. Right. Yeah. Listeners, you do need a compliance program. Yeah, you program. definitely do. No matter who you are. Yeah. <laughs> or they do have a compliance program and either, you know, they just got too lax with it or their executive team just didn't buy into it. And when compliance starts getting cut out of meetings or when they're not allowed to really give an opinion on big topics, you know that there's starting to be a problem there. And so sometimes, you know, people don't even realize it's happening till there's such a big issue that the OIG is knocking on your front door. And so I think, you know, making sure that you're constantly connecting with your with your management teams, making sure that um, you're constantly staying connected, that your opinion is valued and that you're you're staying informed will really help keep those programs from really falling apart Um, because you only know, you know, what you're told. And right. if and if you're not being allowed to be in on some of those meetings or or they know that, well, we're just not gonna invite compliance this time, but you know, we'll make sure that they present <laughs> right. at the next town hall meeting or something. You know, you wanna make sure that they they value across the board. So Gotcha. That makes yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um for someone that is hearing this and saying, yeah, we really need to spend more time on compliance, mm-hmm. um, are there are there resources that you would mm-hmm. recommend um, folks look at or, or use? And I know you mentioned, you know, use some third-party vendors, but where, yeah. where should people go for, for help? Other than in addition to their law firms. I mean, I know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say obviously here at Womble, um, we've got a number of people that do just compliance and right. some in right. dedicated areas. We've got HIPAA compliance people, we've got environmental compliance people we have people that will help for regulatory investigations but what as someone working in house mm-hmm. what are some of the resources people should be aware of yeah so i mean of course always your regulations are your first stop but of course a lot of times those can be overwhelming they can be confusing it's mm-hmm. not really black and white you know they give you a lot of a lot of gray areas that you're having to deal with um and so you know 
from my point of view, especially being someone who came straight from law school and came straight into in-house roles, um, one of the biggest things I did was really search out organizations that specialize. So for healthcare, you know, I'm a member of the HCCA, Healthcare Compliance Association. Mm-hmm. Um, going to their trainings, going to their symposiums are invaluable. You meet other leaders across the nation. Um, you know, sometimes the OIG comes and speaks and they literally will say, hey, in 2020, here's what we're going to be looking at. You know, that's invaluable. And so no matter what industry or what department that I've gotten involved in that I've really looked at their compliance, there has been some sort of organization that specializes in it. And they're not hard to find. You can do a quick Google search. For transportation, is is there a group that you would suggest if people are realizing, hey, we've got delivery trucks and other stuff? Yeah. So honestly, we use J.J. Keller. Mm-hmm. They host really big symposiums. Um, you can go. They will train you all day on their DOT regulations. They will go through the new manuals. They will go through everything. And and yes, they provide a lot of great resources, a lot of great you know um, materials that you use. But even just getting on their webinar list and mm-hmm. you know learning about those new ELD logs, the electronic logs that you know drivers are having to use. Um, you know, like you said, law firms they have a lot of webinars that you can do for free. If you just do a quick search. You you will find some sort of organization that specializes in that. And you can easily start going to their trainings. You know, a lot of times they'll have different panelists um, and they'll say, hey, reach out to me. You know, connecting with someone in a like industry. Don't be afraid just to, if you know who I am and what my role is, feel free to email me. You know, and I know a lot of other people in those similar roles. It's all about connecting with each other and learning from each other. And I think those type of things can be invaluable. Great. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a kind offer. Since you offered to let yeah. them email you, what what email address <laughs> should they use for you, Hannah? In case people are motivated to say, yeah. I'm going to contact her right now. I can't believe I yeah, didn't think about it. Yeah, I'm always happy to help. Uh, mine is Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H dot Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S at Jorns, J-O-E-R-N-S dot com. Terrific. Thank you. I appreciate anytime, it. Anytime, anytime. Um, we're about at the end of the show. Any final tips or that you want to share or maybe other things that you want to mention to folks about compliance? Yeah. So I just think, you know, I know a lot of viewers might be new to compliance or might just kind of be getting their feet wet and trying to figure out how on earth do you do this? I mean, I can tell you that coming straight from law school, you know, I had there was a lot of apprehension because you don't you don't really know where to start and you feel really overwhelmed. Um, you know, I think starting small, sit down with a group of people at your organization. And, you know, I spent two days when I first started with Jorns and we sat down with different leaders and said, what are our problems? Where do you see risk areas? And we took an entire day and we wrote all of their different risk areas down. And that's how I found out that we needed to look at HIPAA. We might need to look at, you know, our fleet, everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then really from there, you can then go and do your own risk analysis. You know, what kind of impact could this have on the organization? What's the likelihood that this could actually cause us to get fined? And from there, you can really start building and learning the areas that you need to look at. And so starting small and then building, you know, up from there, you know, I think that's that's how you're able to kind of take the elephant apart and eat it one one <laughs> bite at a time. It makes it yeah. a lot easier for everyone. So yeah. yeah, that's really helpful. 
No, I think that is that's particularly for someone starting out, mm-hmm. just getting a handle on okay, what are the areas, yep. and trying to actually assign risk yep. is good. I think yep. there's a lot of anxiety sometimes where it's like, oh my God, there's so much we have to comply right. with. Right. You can get into that paralysis fear. Right. Of, I can't do it all. Right. You know, there's no right. way. Um, right. And and I think that's a great tip to just say, no, sit down and just say, okay, you know, here's the hip issues and here are the risks and what can yeah. we, you know, make try to make it manageable. Yeah. And some people, practical. I mean, they get the, the compliance title and that's their first time in it, whether you're you're my age or you're, you know, someone who's been doing law for 50 years. It, it, it can be overwhelming no matter who you are. And really, the people who are going to know where your biggest risks are are those that are doing it day to day. And so my my biggest mission and my biggest thing that I try and do at Jorns is to get as many meetings as I can with those that are working in it day to day, because that's who I'm going to learn from the most. Yes, your managers, yes, your executive leadership team knows what's going on, but they have it at a high level. You're really going to find the risk and the areas of concern when you get into the nitty gritty with those that are in it every single day. So... And again, on a practical note, because mm-hmm. someone that's just got appointed to an in-house position mm-hmm. may be wondering, how do I actually, yeah, I guess I want to do that, but I got to figure out who those business people are and and how to meet with them. In other words, do, you know, do, do you schedule meetings with them? Do you hang out in the coffee room? You know, how do, <laughs> how, how do you find how do you find some of these business folks? So I think yeah. that can be intimidating for someone that may be coming from a law firm mm-hmm. um, and has never done that, or or out of law school and maybe never done that. Yeah. I imagine that can be a challenge. So yeah. how how did you build the ability to do that? What how yeah. how do you actually sit down with those people that are doing? So I know we're in the age of technology. But one of the biggest things I did was as I started meeting people, as I had an invoice I needed to approve, I would get up and walk over and meet our AP department, Mm. figure out who they were. If my computer broke, I tried to walk over and meet our IT folks. Um, There's been multiple times that I've went out in the field to some of our different warehouses and spent the day with some of our guys just trying to get to know them. So, yes, I mean, meetings are always great. Calling people on the phone are great. But as much as you can actually get up, and let them see, hey, my name's Hannah. I'm over the compliance department. How can I help you? Or what mm. kind of risk do you have? You know, I know that the phone is great, but there is nothing like people seeing you and getting to shake your hand, getting to look you in the eye and knowing that you're there to try and help as much as possible and that you want to make your company succeed. And so for me, it was, like I said, if I had an invoice I needed to prove, if I didn't understand my time card, if there was something random, it was worth it for me just to get up and go and meet that person. And so now... I know so many different people in the organization just from doing stuff like that, just from getting up and, yeah, go to your coffee room, you know, have coffee with someone, ask what they do, ask who they are. Um, But even, you know, just stop by someone's desk and say, hey, you know, I have this question. In addition, I'm also over compliance. What can I help you with? So. Oh, I like that too yeah. because it's giving a positive first interaction where yeah. you're you're meeting them, you're there to help. Yeah. As opposed to the first time they ever find out who Hannah is is when yeah. you've said uh, you violated this provision. Yeah. You're going to be disciplined, <laughs> terminated, scared, yeah. interrogated. Right. Yeah. I mean that you may have to have those unpleasant things, but it's awful. Yeah. Nice if maybe you've met, they've seen you a couple times, and they know who you are. Yeah, and And that's that's the last thing I want to do is to have someone's only interaction with me ever be is me bringing you. This is what you violated. You're in trouble. I never want that to be my first interaction. And yes, Mm -hmm. you know, we have over 2000 employees. That's a lot of people. No, I've not met everyone face to face (laughs) or anything like that. But even like us, you know, getting out those newsletters where they know that you're the one sending it, you're the one. They at least know your name. They at least know who you are and what you do and that you're trying to help. So great. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I think that's great. And in this age of technology, I appreciate the refresh, the reminder to, yeah. about the importance of maybe actually seeing someone, shaking a hand, see a yeah. face. Um, it puts that human's face on compliance in a way that just an email or newsletter doesn't do. Exactly. So exactly. I think that's great. Good. Exactly. Any any other any other parting tips? I don't think so. I think that's it. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you coming in uh, and talking to us. I think, yeah, we focused on some real practical tips Mm -hmm. for people trying to make sure they've got an effective compliance program. Well, I appreciate Um, you having me. Yeah. So it's great. I want to remind our listeners, you can find previous episodes of the In-House Roundhouse. There are over 40 of them out there now. Or subscribe to the podcast by going to our website, WombleBondDickinson.com. Or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Store, and SoundCloud or other podcast apps. So just look for In-House Roundhouse. I do encourage you to subscribe. You can see if uh, the topics that we'll be covering are of interest to you. As always, if you have questions or comments about this episode or suggestions for topics or future episodes, you can share those with me on LinkedIn or Twitter or send me an email or give me a phone call. Thank you for listening. This has been the In-House Roundhouse. We'll see you at the next station. In-House Roundhouse is a production of Womblebond Dickinson. Brian Ewing is our producer and Robert Daughtry is our audio engineer.